Adolis Garcia showed out. Corey Seager came back, but the Rangers still lost the series to the Braves. We're talking about that. A bullpen blowing another game, and Jack Leiter starting to turn it around in a big way in Frisco. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to watch every day and to comment any single thing below. Today is Thursday, May 18th. Your Rangers are 26 and 17. Still alone atop the AL West, but now with just a two-game lead heading into this weekend series against the Colorado Rockies. And the Rangers lose 6-5, to five, a one-run loss. I know the, the dreaded words heard from last year. And they lost it in, uh, they had a comeback from the Braves late in this one, a bullpen blown lead. We'll get into that in the third segment because I, I have talked this bullpen to death and I, I need to give myself about 20 minutes before I'm ready to talk about this bullpen again. But for me, the story of this game was Adolis Garcia coming up huge with two huge solo home runs, both of them to the opposite field, both of them off of Spencer Strider, who is one of, if not the best pitchers in all of baseball right now. Adolis Garcia is the first pitcher to ever homer more multiple times off of Spencer Strider in a single game. He is now third in Major League Baseball in home runs with his 12th and 13th that he hit today. He is first in RBI. He has, where'd we go? Um, how many of those does Adolis Garcia have? It is still leading baseball. Uh, give me just a second, but he is just on pace for nearly 50 homers. The fateful day, December 21st, 2019. Thank you, Cash Considerations. The Rangers made a trade for Dolce Garcia for Cash Considerations with the St. Louis Cardinals. And, man, that has the potential to be one of, if not the best trades the Rangers ever made. 46 RBI. That's what it is. That is leading all of baseball right now. And, and the rest of the offense was was doing a pretty decent job. Corey Seager came back, and Adoles Garcia, I, he's just... He's just so incredibly good, and I feel like he's not appreciated enough around all of baseball. There are a lot of Rangers fans that uh, were you know, skeptical when the Rangers got him. They thought, okay, well, you're getting this guy up for cash considerations from the Cardinals. They're a pretty smart organization. They usually know what they have, and uh, if, if they're just giving this guy up for cash, then surely he can't be that good. And he came up, and he was absolutely incredible in that first month, and everyone thought, oh, this is really fun. This is kind of cool. Look at him coming up in these, these big moments, and uh, good for the Rangers having some nice positive storyline when the rest of this team is pretty much trash but it, it's gonna go away and then he kept hitting and kept hitting and kept hitting and made an all-star game and then the second half of the season came and he kind of came back down to earth a little bit and everyone said see see i and i knew about this guy i think this guy is you know a lot of a lot of tools but uh, not enough you know not enough i don't know good good plate discipline good soft skills in baseball to to kind of make it work and to stick as an everyday major leaguer and uh, uh shout out to, to grant schiller who was who was fighting me on that one early on and uh, i i stuck with it i said the guy with this loud of tools who has worked this hard and 
you know, have that long of prolonged stretches of success, I thought, you know, that's a guy who I think is going to stick around. He's going to be, at the very least, an everyday major leaguer, if not a really freaking good one. And, and so far, he's been a really freaking good one, hitting 258 this season with an 861 OPS. And like I've talked about many times before, the walk rate improving has been just, it meant a world of difference for Andolas Garcia. We all know about the raw power and, and the speed and the massive, massive arm strength, still in the top 5% of Major League Baseball in arm strength and hey, he hits the absolute crap out of the baseball nearly every single time up there he's in the top eight percent of baseball in terms of how often he barrels it up his average exit velocity is the top six percent of baseball same with hard hit percentage expected slugging in the top 11 percent max exit velo in the top three percent of baseball when he gets a hold of one he absolutely annihilates it and he does so very, very often because he's getting better pitches to hit. He's got a really deep planet behind him. He didn't have his normal number five hole hitter, Josh Young, in this one who had a day off on his bobblehead day and Texas Tech day. And uh, I, I kind of get why fans are, are upset. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But Adoles Garcia is not only good, I mean, just regularly. He comes up in the clutch. When in big moments, he is always from the time that he got called up, that has been where he has thrived. With runners in scoring position this year, he's just been unbelievable. In 65 plate appearances with runners in scoring position, he's got nine extra base hits. Six of those are home runs. Seven walks to eight strikeouts, hitting 404 on base, 446 slugging, 808, a 1254 OPS. 1254! Just absolutely insane. The guy just knows how to come up in the big moments. And if you go to two outs with runners in scoring position, those numbers really don't change much. He's got four walks to four strikeouts, three home runs, th uh, hitting 385 and on base of 484 and slugging at 769, a mere 1253 OPS. Uh, just absolutely insane. Actually, literally one point different with runners in scoring position versus runners in scoring position with two outs. He has just been consistently good in these situations from the time that he called up, and there's a reason he's batting cleanup this year, and he's batting behind three excellent hitters, and now Corey Seager is back in the lineup, and man, it was good to see him back in the lineup after battling with that stomach bug the first couple of days. Otherwise, he would have been back on Monday. Um, no, don't sure, not sure that he would have changed the outcome in that 12 to nothing loss. Maybe it would have been like 12 to one or something. Um, but still, good to see Corey Seager back. His his at bats kind of reminded you why this guy was so freaking good this year. He had a fly out to left to start the game, then a line out to left field that maybe should have been a hit 106.6 miles an hour off the bat did strike out and then a sack fly to center field that I, I thought was going to get over the head and, and be a double but Michael Harris made an exceptional play on it that was 105.5 miles an hour off the bat had an expected batting average of 600 and well it was good enough to get the run home to get Marcus Simeon home who had a really impressive triple the at bat before I, I wasn't sure that Marcus Simeon was going to get there on his triple but Credit him, he got on his horse and was gunning for it out of the gate and, and got in there, you know, not too close to play. And he gave Texas, Corey Seager gave Texas a 5-3 to three lead headed into that eighth inning, which uh, we all kind of know how that happened. But, you know, Josh Young, I had a lot of Texas Tech friends that were out there to go get the Josh Young bobblehead and to celebrate him and, you know, to be excited. And they're pissed and Josh Young was in the lineup. And I kind of had suggested that, I think, a couple of days ago, or maybe all this week, of hey, maybe maybe give Josh Young a day off against Spencer Strider. It's been a little bit of a rough go for him. He's had some singles and some some better at bats. It's still, the power hasn't been there since he hasn't hit a home run since that multi home run game to start the month of May. Just give him a day off. It was a long road trip, and uh, you know 
Spencer Strider is a really hard pitcher for anybody to hit. So, I mean, a day off against him could be a good idea. But <clears throat> fans are rightly pissed, and I, I get why. But I also get why the Rangers don't really care. No, not that they don't care about their fans, but this shows where their priorities are. Their priorities are winning baseball games, not promotional nights, because this was a huge game. This was the biggest game the Rangers have played in the regular season in at, since at least 2019. I mean, it feels like even longer since they've had a, a regular season game this big, and especially in the month of May. I mean, this the Rangers lost this one, and it, it hurts. But losing two out of three to the Braves is, is not a death sentence. It, it shows that, you know, this team is good. They do need some improving. They're coming off a 10-game road trip. This was their 13th game in 13 days, and they still nearly won it. And, I mean, look at how good the Braves are. The Braves have a number eight hitter with a 997 OPS, just their shortstop who was considered the weak link of the team. And, and yeah, he went yard in this one as well. But I mean, I'm upset about this loss. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I, I know the Rangers are really pissed about it and they're pissed about the bullpen, but as a fan and as someone who has a podcast, every day about this team since 2019 it feels really good to care this much about a single game doesn't it doesn't it feel so much better than oh we're in may and the rangers are already out of it and i guess i'll watch and it it doesn't really matter because they suck and you know who cares no this is a big game and people are caring about it i have different a bunch of different group chats that were blowing up caring about every single pitch of this rangers game tracking every game and man it feels so much better to care about this team and to be righteously pissed off about a bullpen that is uh, quite frankly extremely maddening we'll get into all of that nathan eovaldi losing his scoreless inning streak and jack Leiter turning it around but first this episode is brought to you by bird dogs Shout out to our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is a pants company, a clothing company that makes the most comfortable pants that I, I think you'll ever wear. They are incredibly comfortable. I mean, they, they fit as well as Corey Seager sliding back into that number two hole in the lineup. You know, they make you feel much more comfortable than the Rangers with a late lead with this bullpen. I mean, they are just the best pants. They've got stretchy fabric. It makes, makes your legs look great. They're comfier than any of my other shorts or pants. I mean, they just give you the freedom to wear one pair of pants or shorts shorts no matter where you're going you're going to the office and then you got a date later and then you want to go you know hang out with the boys at the bar like this is this is a great pair of pants that is versatile it is comfortable it is so so good you are going to want to get yourself a pair of these pants go to birddogs.com slash locked on when you enter promo code locked on mlb they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order so go get yourself some bird dogs Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be crossing over with Paul Holden of Locked On Rockies, breaking down this weekend's series. The Rangers take on the Rockies Friday night at 7.05. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Nathan Eovaldi's scoreless streak is unfortunately over at 29 and, I believe, two-thirds innings. He was just shy of... Uh, of hitting that 30 inning mark it came on a home run by eddie rosario it was on a splitter down and in out of the strike zone both down and in neither of those were in the strike zone to eddie rosario not exactly the best hitter in this lineup still decent hitter has a 7-10 ops you thought okay really Really, that's how it ends. If it's going to end, you would think, okay, if Ronald Acuna Jr. just blasts one <laughs> over the center field wall, then okay, it, it happens. It 
it literally happens to everybody. But but that being the way that it ends is just really, really frustrating. But still, Nathan Ivaldi finishes with a great line. Seven innings, five hits, three runs, all of which were earned. Did have a pair of walks, which was frustrating and not typically like him, and a pair of home runs. He'd only had one home run given up going into this one, and, you know, like I said, Ronald Acuna Jr. did end up getting to him. Acuna has homered in four straight games, and honestly, he cannot leave Texas soon enough. Get him away from this pitching staff. The man does so much damage, and as frustrating as it is to watch him dominate against your favorite team, watching him on MLB TV dominate some other teams is, is really fun because he is, I'd say, the best player in baseball, all of baseball right now. He's just absolutely crushed the Rangers in this one. It felt like at the end at the end of the game, it was just like, just pitch around this guy. I don't I know he's gonna steal second base the second you put him on for free, but uh, uh, putting him on second is better than just giving up a home run to him because it just feels impossible to pitch against him. But Nathan Evaldi is just been so, so, so good since Jacob DeGrom went down. He was fine enough before he went down, but since he went down he I believe that's what started this scoreless inning streak was that complete game shutout and then eight scoreless innings against the Angels and eight and two-thirds scoreless innings against the A's gave him an extra day of rest in this one and he still ended up giving up some runs but seven innings and there was a little thought that he might not make it through that seventh inning but still he's averaging so many innings per start two or six and two-thirds innings per start on the season. Nathan Eovaldi has been just dominant. He's second in the league in innings pitch behind only Garrett Cole. He is second in the league in Fangraphs war at 2.1 behind only Zach Allen, who is at a ridiculous 2.6 already this season. He has been incredibly consistent. He is not walking guys. The strikeouts down a little bit in his last couple of starts. Um, excuse me, just this start. He had 12 in the one against Oakland and five in the one against uh, Anaheim. But still, he has been efficient, economical with his pitch count <clears throat> after going over 100 pitches in his last three starts. Went only 93 in this one. That was all they needed. The Rangers probably could have used him going out there for the eighth inning where they ended up giving up those runs and the lead. But, you know, he's thrown a lot of innings. And like I talked about, I believe, on yesterday's show or maybe it was on Tuesday's show about them bringing Cody Bradford to bump those guys back an extra day, give them some more rest. Nathan Eovaldi has a track record of not being able to pitch and stay healthy a whole lot throughout the seasons in the past. He's 33 years old, and he's only had just a few seasons over 150-plus innings. The Rangers want to keep him healthy as well for the long haul, not just Jacob DeGrom being extra careful and cautious with him. Same with John Gray. Same with Andrew Heaney. All those guys have some injury concerns, so pushing their starts back a day and not asking them to throw 110, 113 pitches every start out is, is probably the way to do that. It is still May and the Rangers are still leading and do need big innings. And this was a big uh, outing for him, but they do still need to focus on the long-term and keep him healthy. Speaking of the long-term and pitchers, Jack Leiter, who had a really, really rough month of April and not the best first season in pro ball. Granted, it was a big step up for him in double A, but the last month, this is his third straight start where he has looked absolutely fantastic. And this, I maintain, is his best start of his pro career. Went six innings for Frisco last night, did give up three runs and struck out a career high 10. The previous career high for him was eight. He had done that a couple of times, including in his last start out, but through five innings, he was absolutely 
absolutely immaculate. And then the Rough Riders offense kind of kind of got him off his rhythm. I, I know, yes, the Rough Riders offense. They scored eight runs in the in the top of the sixth inning, but after five, Jack Leiter had allowed just one hit, no walks, and ten strikeouts, according to someone a follower on Twitter who was there. Um, he probably could have gotten out of that sixth inning without allowing the home run. Uh, he allowed one home run in this one, a three-run shot after back-to-back singles. He walked the first batter that he faced in that sixth inning, but immediately got a ground into a double play. Apparently, one of those two singles, there was a missed called third strike that could have been his 11th strikeout and gotten him out of the game without allowing any runs. But Still, a really, really solid line for Jack Leiter, who kind of needed it. In the last couple of games, I mean, looking at the last three starts, the start before this, he went five innings, just two hits, one unearned run, two walks, and eight strikeouts. The start before that, May 5th against Midland, six innings, three hits, no runs at all of any kind, um, two walks, and seven strikeouts. So in this month, he has a 159 ERA in three starts. 17 innings, 25 strikeouts, and 5 walks. That is much better than his month of April. 20 innings, 15 walks, even though he did have 29 strikeouts. The strikeouts have been there this year. He's he's pumping 99. He is looking good. The, it looks like he is commanding the fastball a lot better, not missing glove side every single time out. And the breaking stuff is being able to be thrown where he wants it to more consistently. All of that is great, great news for Jack Leiter, who I was starting to get a little worried about. And it seems like the difference from what I've talked to people who actually know a little bit more about what the Rangers are telling him and what the difference is, is just they said, go out there and compete. Stop thinking about every single little thing. And it seems like he's just going out there and, and not overthinking things as much, not trying to be too fine, not trying to work on any specific thing. It's just go out there and freaking shove because he needed that. He needed some confidence of like, hey, I have some really incredible stuff. I need to stop being so fine with it. I need to just go out there and show these hitters that I'm Jack freaking lighter. I am a really good pitcher. I have been for a long time. I have the stuff to go out there and dominate you, and I'm going to go do it. And it has shown. It has shown these last three starts, and that is incredible stuff for him. He is a number two overall pick, and uh, you know there are some other guys who are out there doing some amazing things that were drafted after him that maybe I still still kind of wish that the Rangers had drafted. Old Marcelo Meyer, the, the shortstop with Boston in their system, is doing really well. Old Jordan Lawler, the Dallas Jesuit kid who is kicking butt and taking names in the Diamondback system, who I still still might have wanted to to have go out there and do some good things, even though Ezekiel Duran is crushing it at the Major League shortstop position until Corey Seager gets back there full-time. He is still going to DH quite a bit. And then, you know, Luis Angel Acuna is, is also kicking butt in double-A as a shortstop for the Rough Riders, who poured it on against the Sod Poodles. Again, like I said, that eight-run inning, including a triple from Evan Carter, who has been in a little bit of a rough way um, so far in the month of May. Good to see him bust out of that um that rut and also Aaron Zavala came back in his first game back had a multi-hit game a pair of singles went two for four with one strikeout and one run scored good to see him back there on the field after that partially torn UCL guy who was one of the 
big breakout guys last year. I, I really loved what I saw from him. I thought that maybe he could end up cracking the major league roster by the end of this season if he had not gotten healthy, but or not gotten injured in the Arizona Fall League. But that is neither here nor there. I don't think he is going to crack this major league roster at the end of the year. Maybe, maybe he will, but it's seeming like left field is probably going to be held down by Ezekiel Durant. But anyway, I am really excited for Jack Leiter. The Rangers needed some good news on the pitching front after the Kumar Rocker, Tommy John surgery news the day before. Having Jack Leiter go out there and shove for his third straight start is a great, great sign. Good on that kid. I wasn't too, too worried, but I was starting to get a little more than mildly concerned. But it seems like Jack Leiter is figuring some things out, and that is a good good sign for the Rangers. What's not been a good sign is this bullpen. We're going to get into why it's so frustrating and why it is time to panic, but also not time to panic too much about this Rangers bullpen. But first, this episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, Silver managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there is no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. Silver recently partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. Both are featured in Silver's current brand campaign and will engage with the Silver community throughout the season at MLB events. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. Now the Rangers bullpen blew another game. We're getting into that for a second, but thanks so much to the Everydayers for making us your first listen every day on Monday. Shall we breaking down what happened in this weekend series? The Rangers take on the Rockies 7.05 Central Time Friday, you can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the bullpen blew another lead. I know, I know, I know you're all frustrated. You're all very frustrated, and you have let me know very vehemently in my comments. And you know what? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the the amount of caring loudly in both my Twitter mentions and the YouTube comments. It lets me know that, you know, we're all, we're all on the same page. No, nobody's happy about this bullpen. No, nobody, including the guys in the bullpen. I mean, Bruce Bochy is, is pissed off and the Rangers are pissed off. And I'm sure Nathan Evaldi and, and the bats are kind of pissed off. Like, Hey, we, we got five runs. We got, <laughs> we got the best starter in baseball out in five innings. He got four runs against him, two home runs against Spencer Strider and three walks. And he was out of there in the fifth inning and the Rangers could not get it done and win this one. They could not hold on to a late lead. Again, Atlanta's offense is really freaking good and really freaking deep. And that happens, but it just keeps happening over and over again. We had the multiple blown outings by Jonathan Hernandez. We talked about that on yesterday's episode, how frustrating that has been, or maybe it was earlier in the week. I don't know. I've talked about the bullpen pretty much every day this week and how frustrating it's been. And it just gets more and more frustrating. But <clears throat> the thing, the point I keep trying to hammer home about bullpens is that they are all finicky. They are all unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen with the bullpen. You could have coming into the season, just the deepest, most amazing bullpen full of arms that are all incredible and you know 
things just kind of go sideways. Let's say, I don't know, like say the Astros bullpen, who Ryan Presley, their closer, has a 3.6 ERA. Rafael Montero, who is basically their setup guy last year, has an ERA over six. Seth Martinez, Ryan Stanek, uh, Brandon Bilek, uh, all those guys have, well, Stanek and Martinez both have ERAs over four. Stanek has been so freaking good for so long. I mean, Brian Abreu and, and Phil Maton and Hector Neris all have ERAs under one and a half. But, but still, even the the Braves bullpen, you see who they they threw out there to to close this one out and get the save is a guy with an ERA over eight. <laughs> this is not the best Braves bullpen than eight thirty one ERA for Rysel Iglesias. I think he's still a little better than that. But their guy who has been closing out games for them. AJ Minter has seven saves on the season and they only have three other guys who have any saves at all. And it is one save from Nick Anderson, one from Jesse Chavez, and now two from Rysel Iglesias. AJ Minter has an ERA of 778. I mean, even teams that are really, really good have questionable bullpens. And you think, oh, well, what about the Rays? The Rays don't have a questionable bullpen. Yeah, yeah, they do. Kevin Kelly and Jalen Beeks, two guys that were um, some of their highest leverage guys in those situations, have ERAs of 484 and 495. And Ryan Thompson, who's pitched in 15 games for them out of the pen, has a 643 ERA. Even the Rays have some questions in their bullpen. They have blown some late leads as well. And you know, last night was a frustrating blown lead for the Rangers. It's just a two-run lead that they blew, and the Cubs bullpen is is in a much worse situation. They had a, a much worse game. They had a seven-to-one lead heading into the eighth inning. They gave up a couple runs in the eighth, and then they gave up, I believe, six runs in the ninth inning, blowing a seven-to-one lead in two innings against the Astros. Which I said on Twitter, thought, "Hey, don't feel that bad," and then it's like, "Oh." Maybe you should feel that bad because that means that the Astros, who were going to go and stay three games behind the Rangers, are now only two games behind the Rangers, and the Astros have a weekend series against the A's. So uh, maybe this weekend series against the Rockies just got a lot more important because I don't really see the A's coming in to Houston and winning any of those games. I I could be wrong because baseball is a weird and stupid and unpredictable sport, and bullpens are the most weird and stupid and unpredictable part of that stupid, weird, unpredictable sport. But I am not really banking on the A's taking any games in Houston. But like I said, the best bullpens are even finicky. Let's look at last night and, and what ap- actually happened. Josh Spores comes in and uh, an 0-2 fastball or an 0-2 ball to uh, Aussie Albies with a runner on second up 5-3. to three. He leaves a fastball dead center to one of the best fastball hitters in all baseball, Aussie Albies. He had just gotten him to chase a, I believe, a curveball in the dirt. And he throws one center cut. It's just not where he should have been going. Jonah Heim was setting up, up and away, and he missed dead center with the fastball. Still a very good fastball and, and some good off-speed stuff, but you cannot get away with that. And the lead was trimmed to 5-4. to four. Then against Austin Riley, he had him down 0-2 as well. And Austin Riley is a really good hitter, but he's having a, a bit of a rough season. And he threw him a curveball 0-2. It was low, but it was in the middle of the plate as opposed to being low and away off the plate where Jonah Heim was setting up. And Austin Riley just smacked the crap out of it and doubled uh, and scored the tying run um, or yeah, drove in the tying run. And then Rangers have a tie game. Thought, okay. And you just get there to the bottom of the ninth inning with a chance to win it. Maybe if you get one runner on, then you get Corey Seager back out there who'd had really good at-bats all day. Maybe you get a Corey Seager walk-off double or a walk-off bomb. Who knows? Um, but Brock Burke was in there, left an 0-1 fastball up and away as opposed to low and away. It was not even in the strike zone. It was both up. Uh, it was, eh, I think it was 
high enough to be called a strike, but it was off the plate and away. And the number eight hitter, Orlando Arcia, just takes it opposite field out of the park. Not a bad pitch, but it was still destroyed. It was not where it was supposed to be. And that is the difference. Those three little things, those are what drove in. Those are what led to the three runs that the Rangers pen gave up and were not able to get back. That is the margin of error. It is very slim. The, these guys in this pen, they're not bums. They have had major league success. Will Smith has been very, very successful. And I, I kind of question why he wasn't in there in the top of the ninth inning. He did just pitch the day before, but still, maybe maybe you go out there and put him out there. You trusted Brock Burke in that situation, wanted to get him in a high leverage situation, get him some more you know confidence after that kind of a mess on Friday night where he blew that lead and gave up the walk-off bomb to Brent Rooker. thought, okay, because Jonathan Hernandez's confidence is shot. You think, okay, well, you're trying to get Josh Spores some more confidence in some high leverage situations. That clearly didn't go well. You don't really trust Cole Reagans in these high leverage spots. Uh, bring in Joe Barlow and Joe Barlow was able to uh, get an out. It was a little bit of a nervy out, but you did just call him up. What yesterday and you already are putting him in this high leverage situation. The Rangers did not have a lead at that point, but he was able to close out the ninth inning, get the Rangers to the bottom of the ninth, just down one run. You thought maybe they could scratch out one run. You'd see Joe Barlow in the 10th inning and, and see what he's got in a even higher leverage situation. But, it just wasn't the case. These guys have major league stuff. John Hernandez, Will Smith, Brock Burke, Josh Spores, Jose LeClerc even. I mean, John King, Joe Barlow. These guys all have major league stuff and have had success at the major league level. It is just the finest of fine margins. And I know everyone's thinking, oh, just got to trade everything. I don't care if you overpay. You got to go get a bullpen piece now. Nobody is selling bullpen arms right now. There is not a whole lot on the farm. I did a deep dive in the third segment of yesterday's show of what's on the farm, who is on the 40-man roster that the Rangers could even call up at this point. And there is not a whole lot of options after bringing back up Joe Barlow. This is just kind of what it is, and it kind of stinks for now, and it's it's led to the Rangers blowing some games that they should have won, but at this point, their success is still sustainable. Two out of the three biggest parts of a team, you know, the offense and the starting pitching, are really freaking good, and they are no mirage, and they're going to continue to be very good, and Corey Seager is back in the lineup, so the lineup is going to get even better, and maybe in the next, you know, few weeks, we'll the Rangers will get Mitch Garver back and uh, that will make the offense even better. Uh, and then eventually Jacob DeGrom coming back, which puts Dane Dunning in the pen, which uh, makes the pen a little bit stronger. But two out of the three biggest parts of this team are very good. It is frustrating to lose these games in these ways. And the Rangers are still on pace to make the playoffs. That is the goal. The Astros are probably a better team than them. I know the, the Astros have had some major injuries and, some of their best hitters have slumped, but the Rangers are still in a good place. There is no need to panic. Remember, this is a long season. The Rangers are doing very well and are still in first place in the American League West. It'll be okay. You're just going to have to suck it up and probably see another few of these frustrating bullpen losses. But hey, maybe the offense will pick them back up in the next one and carry over. Um, what they've been doing so far this year. That's going to do it for today's show. Like I said, I'll be back tomorrow with Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies to talk about this weekend series. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.